0: So anyway, the last time I was here five weeks ago, I started uh, on, on a two-part thing where I'm reviewing our 14 recommended foundational books. You might note that we used to have 13, and we, <laughs> we, I, we revised them recently. So all 14 are listed on your outline. On the front page are the eight that I covered last time, and I'm not going to recover that. Um, I also... Uh, in order just to, to save space on the outline, because I like to get always confine it to the front and back of a page and paper punch it so you can keep these in a file or a notebook. Hopefully you do. Uh, I remember as a young Christian, I always took notes and kept no, all my notes from church. In a, and, of course, I went to a church that really emphasized biblical studies and teaching and not going anywhere without your Bible and that kind of thing. Uh, Of course, these days, that's so easy with your phone. Uh, I have all my Kindle books, uh, dozens of translations of the Bible, Greek tools, all that's right in your pocket. Uh, It's amazing. So, um, um, I actually just sit in a chair and read read my Bible on my phone in the mornings from like 5.30 to like 1 or or 2 in the afternoon usually. And uh, I it's amazing. I don't even have to get up off the out of the chair except to get another cup of tea so um so anyway um we covered the first eight, and I've basically taken uh the little paragraph I wrote about each book uh last time and condensed it a little bit on this outline. So it's a little shorter and if you want last uh, outline, see Stephen or Josiah afterwards and they can, David Gress, they can certainly get you one. David Furlow, all those guys know how to do that. So, uh, flip the page and we're, we're gonna just do the back of the page today where it says today, part 1B, GCF foundational book list, revised and revisited. And, uh, I shouldn't have put continue next Sunday because I'm going to finish this. Uh, Next week, I don't know if I, I I was going to go over what we call our intermediate book list or it's uh, kind of titled uh, Books on Nine Other Topics or something like that. And it has uh, maybe 40 or 50 books. I will say that part of our goal with the foundational books since we started as an inner-city ministry with inner-city reading programs in the schools, although we've kind of lost that identity and we don't really have a lot of people that are challenged in their reading abilities or anything anymore. But originally, the foundational book list, we were trying for somewhat easy to read. And uh, so... And I will say that... um, what we call the intermediate books or the books on nine other topics are probably a little bit more insightful. Most of the books that we have are just, to me, they're, they're of no value if they're, if they're not a guide to help you get more out of reading the whole Bible. Most of them are, are, are kind of designed to help you see, oh, I read the Bible, but I missed this, or whatever kind of thing. So... um. So, in fact, if you look at the first two books on the on the last page, both of those are designed to get uh, help you read the whole Bible and to get, you know, what what you want to do when you're reading the Bible is, uh, move to mo, most biblical studies in evangelical Christianity, kind of do this thing where they zoom in on one to three verses or a short paragraph or something, and then talk a lot about that but not in very much context. I would really encourage you to read the whole Bible several times in your early Christian years. You know, you should try to, at the minimum, read the Old Testament every other year. And, but if you do that for 10 years, you have read the whole Old Testament five times. That, that's kind of a minimum starting point. And then with the New Testament, I, you know, if you read five chapters a week, There's exactly 260 chapters in the New Testament, which is 52 weeks times five, it's 260. So if you read five chapters a week, you'll read the whole New Testament uh, at least once a year. If you read 15 chapters a week, you can read it three times a year. And I would really encourage you to read through the whole Bible. Uh, I remember my first four months as a Christian, I read the New Testament about 10 times, and I read the Old Testament about three times. And that was a really excellent start. Now, of course, no, most people don't have like 10 hours a day to read the Bible, which I had my first four months of being a Christian, which was kind of nice. Uh, my parents kept, I was 17 at the time, and I was just coming out of the drug scene and all that. And every day my parents would say, are you going to get a job today? And uh, I would actually wake up in the morning, devious guy that I was, and I would uh, not let my parents know I was awake until I read my Bible four or five hours. And then when I couldn't take it anymore, I'd go down and eat a breakfast at around noon or one o'clock and and then my mom would go are you gonna look for a job today (laughs) and i'd go well you know i just became a christian and i need to spend some time in god's word and then i'd go up and read the bible four or five more hours and i'd say you know it's five o'clock it's too late to look for a job today let's try again tomorrow (laughs) and and then i would go to a different church meeting every night because i was just getting started and trying to figure out how to walk with god and all that all right so anyway um you really do need that overview. And, and try to look for major themes and major interconnected things. And the most major theme is the revelation of Christ. Christ is the center. That's why he's called the Word of God in more than one passage. So let's uh, start on uh, the backside. The ninth book is called Total Forgiveness Experience, A Study Guide to Repairing Relationships by R.T. Kendall. If you're not familiar with R.T. Kendall, he was the pastor of Westminster Chapel in uh, uh, London, England, one of the most famous Protestant churches in the world for about 25 years. uh, G. Campbell Morgan was pastor there. uh, What's his name? Earl Stanley Jones and so forth. Very, very famous church. And he writes, Archie Kendall writes tons of books, almost all of which are good. Uh, His book called The Anointing is a very good, very helpful and good book. Now, Total Forgiveness Experience is a book you can read by yourself. But if, uh, you know, I I know there's still a few book groups that go on in our church. And uh, where's Sam Mawante? Is he here? No. Sam Chen Sing Poon, is he here? no <laughs> uh they uh, they still have a book group that uh that they do and are are you still involved in that uh matt they they don't do that book group anymore so they they had that going for years but apparently not anymore okay so um you could do this as is a, like a book group thing but um uh for forgiveness, let me just say a couple of things about forgiveness. You can read what I wrote there. Forgiveness is a, a make-it-or-break-it issue. If you have unforgiveness issues, that, that's, that's a deal killer with walking with God. You cannot have unforgiveness in your heart. Now, the, the unforgiveness, the unforgiveness can be uh, directed toward God. There are people who have forgiveness issues with God. He addresses that in this book. He has a. This book has become so spot, popular. I just noticed on the internet yesterday. There's like five spinoff books to it now. Uh, if you have forgiveness issues with God, is one. If you, but really, it uh, you can have forgiveness issues with God. You can have forgiveness issues with other people. Usually, start with people who've been very important in your life. Start with your parents, uh, siblings. Uh, Pastor, church members, things like that. If you have unforgiveness uh, in your heart toward anyone, uh, it will skew your whole life and your whole walk with God. Because what we don't get, uh, that part of the reason we've got to overcome what's called antinomian Christianity is we underestimate Uh, in evangelical Christianity, how deep our sin problem is. As my pastor used to joke, Ray Nethery, uh, who I spoke to this week, he's a great guy. 90, uh, is he 94 now? I don't know, he's doing great. Um, Let's see, he was born in 29, yeah, so he's 94. Um, So anyway, um, he used to always say, cheer up. You're much worse off than you think, or something like that. It's much worse off than you think. You know, the truth is our sin problem is much deeper. Part of growing in sanctification is to grow in the knowledge of how deep our sin is, and with it, to grow in the knowledge of how great Christ's grace is. He who's forgiven much loves much, and you don't have to have been a drug addict, uh, you know, car thief, murderer, to uh, to realize that you have been forgiven much. If you grew up a goody-two-shoes, self-righteous, uh, Christian-type person, your, un, your sin problem is deep. That's why uh, the Pharisees were so hard to reach. People think Jesus hated the Pharisees. That's he was hard on them cuz he loved them. And and it's so hard to re, re to get self righteousness out of ourselves. The the light of God's word and the power of God's holy spirit will bring us under conviction. In John 14 through 16, Jesus says the most about the holy spirit that he says anywhere. And in John 16, one of the things he says that he in the King James, calls it the comforter in most of the modern translations, the helper. One of the things he says is he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Part of God's grace is to help us see our sin much, much deeper. We are much worse off than we think, and we need rescued. You know, many of you have heard me say that um, the word for rescue or deliver uh, appears dozens of times in the New Testament, and depending on the English translation you're using, it'll sometimes be translated as rescue, sometimes as deliver. But the whole issue with rescue is you either get rescued or you don't get rescued. You cannot rescue yourself. Now, the grace of God works in your life uh, to, to begin to open your eyes to run to, to Christ for rescue. But that's God himself rescuing you. So I one of my favorite books uh, to this day that I read like, you know, 30 times when I was a kid was a book called The Night the Dykes Broke. And it was about uh, an event in the in the 1950s where the dykes around Holland broke uh, during a, a storm or earthquake. Or I can't remember what the... In the middle of the night, uh, the people who lived on the outer edges that had been reclaimed by the dikes of, of uh, Holland, much of their farmland had been reclaimed, they woke up to their houses filling up with water. Sorry, it's emotional for me. And they had to go to the second floor. Then they had to go to the attic Then they had to start busting boards out to get on the peak of their roofs. Of course, calls went out all over Europe and immediately England, France, uh, Norway, et cetera, many countries began to send helicopters, uh, rescue operations and so forth immediately. But of course, many, many people drowned and died. Uh, you're on the peak of your roof, the flood is going up, and you either got rescued or you didn't. There was nothing you could do. And that is the predicament we're in as Christians. God's grace comes to us and chooses us and grants us conviction of sin and grants us repentance. Romans 2, 4, the kindness of God grants repentance. Repentance. And that's why, uh, if you as you grow in the grace of God, uh, you'll you'll become more effective at helping people come to Christ, because you'll you'll understand they're no different than you are, and you're no you know there's there there's so much tendency towards self righteousness in our hearts as Christians, and it's a killer. So. Uh, of course, the forgiveness toward God, forgiveness toward others, and forgiveness toward yourself. <clears throat> Many people have deep unforgiveness issues toward themselves. And when you do, you're not understanding grace yet. And I will encourage you to cry out to God to help you uh, experience his grace, know his grace, understand his grace. Um so total forgiveness experience is uh not just a book you need to read it's a it's a course you need to pursue Does that make sense? And if I don't get through uh the whole message because I spent so much time on unforgiveness it's it's you cannot have in in one iota or ounce of unforgiveness without totally messing up your whole relationship with God and it's something as Proverbs says watch over your heart with all diligence for from from it flow the springs of life You, you have to watch over your heart about that one of the one of the great signs of progress in the Christian life is that you're quick to forgive That's huge. You know, look at ask God to help you see yourself as He sees you and and uh and make sure you're growing and being quick to forgive. God will send you people who need that message. I had a weird experience this week where uh I was actually uh sitting in my recliner chair because uh, sometimes my back's too sore to uh, be able to sleep laying down. And uh, the door, someone knocked at the door at 3.30 in the morning. So I, I thought, is that the door knocking? And they knocked kind of lightly, but somehow God helped me hear it because I was not even on that floor. And so I went up, and I couldn't see anyone through the window, so I was like, oh, boy, this is risky. But I opened the door, and it was this 20-year-old girl who was uh, had been out doing drugs and partying, and her friends had left her. And I invited her, and we, and she, she was a little scared to let me give her a ride home, so we called her mom. And and I, but I got to share the gospel with her for like an hour while her, while we waited on her mom to call. With her little doggy, <laughs> she had a she had a little puppy dog, <laughs> and uh, and you know just, man, God, there's. We're living in a time where people are very, very lost and they're very hurting. That's all I can say about that. Number 10, Family Worship by Joel Beakey. We have more and more married couples and more and more little kids. And uh, and uh, we're about to have more and more little kids. We're working on that, right? <laughs> <Dana>. <laughs> um, what do you guys do? May 31st. May 31st. and um, Boy, that's coming up. Um... So, um, that you know, family, family worship and family devotions is a very necessary and important thing. And doing it in such a way that you don't hurt, like the Bible t- tells fathers not to exasperate their children, doing it in such a way that you make it fun, that you make it something the kids want to do, there's an art to it. And uh, Joel Beaky is a great place to start uh, your journey toward uh, toward learning that. The Holy Spirit and You, a study guide to Spirit filled life that's one of seven or eight books that we recommend on getting started with uh, experiencing more of the Holy Spirit. Uh, as you know, we do believe in uh, all the gifts of the Spirit and pursue them as a church, and um. um you know, when all is said and done, you know we, we live in a time where especially Western Christianity is filled with cynicism, unbelief, natural-mindedness, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Josiah and Teresa have a prayer meeting every Thursday night just to ask God to pour out his spirit on us and, and open our experience. You Christian, if the New Testament, apart from miracles, is is doesn't make sense, you know the the great uh, unbeliever Thomas Jefferson uh, wrote uh, published a thing called the Jefferson Bible, so I have a copy, uh, where he took out all the miraculous elements of of the New Testament, and uh, because he liked the morality of the New Testament, but he didn't like the supernatural parts. He didn't like the resurrection, the you know healing lepers, all that. And he didn't have a worldview that allowed for that. So he was an unbeliever. And uh, it, if you've never seen it or read it, it's a very thin book. Because <laughs> you take out the miraculous from the New Testament, there's not much left. And, uh, you know, the the modern, especially the modern Western church is a nonprofit organization. And... Uh, That's kind of sad. Uh, When heaven invades earth is along the same line, the practical guide to the life of miracles. Ask God to begin a journey where you experience the supernatural much more frequently and much more often. I've been asking God to open uh, doors for me to share the gospel more. And you know what? I just started praying that in the last couple weeks. I got to share the gospel three times this week with people that it just came up in conversation because of stuff they were talking about. And that should be somewhat normal. And And ask people, can I pray for you? Or can I pray with you? Uh, they shall expel demons. Um, I know that not a lot of churches practice that or believe in that. And uh, we don't do it uh, in big meetings. We do it in private counseling sessions. We encourage people to lay a certain foundation to be ready for that. But uh, I couldn't have gotten started on my Christian life without that. I would have never got off drugs or any of that. And I still very much remember uh, getting demons cast out of me at the age of 17. 17. And that being the key to uh I, I had been trying to quit drugs for nine months before I got delivered from demons and quit right away. And that's been I'll be actually celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of that this coming year. So, so. amazing. Uh and then uh Lastly, lastly, an eschatology of victory. As you know, we, we endorse the Nicene Creed and the Apostles Creed. We only believe that what's necessary eschatologically is that you believe in the imminent return of Christ. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the only person who said, I'll be back. <laughs> uh, Jesus promised he's coming back. And, uh, and that is part of what the Bible calls the great hope and so forth. So uh, in, in the approximately the 1830s, the, a cult that was actually based in Ohio called the Millerites invented the modern uh, pre-millennial eschatolo- the dispensational premillennial eschatology. But historically, the church has had postmillennialists amillennialist and traditional premillennialist all of which are fine and acceptable to us we're not necessarily uh, post-millennialist but I like the spirit of post-millennialism in, in, in that uh, I would freely admit I've read all kinds of you know biblical studies and theology and eschatology for 50 years now and I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I just know that Jesus said that he didn't know. (laughs) So uh, he didn't know the hour of the day. But I do know that the idea of uh, the world is going to get darker and darker and the Antichrist is going to beat us all up and we all should hide in the corner and there will only be three of us left. And if you notice all the churches who preach that there will just be a small remnant, somehow they're the ones (laughs) that are going to stay faithful uh i think uh just just an idea of redeeming whole cultures for christ is a much more biblical way to go about things and that involves christian schools and uh that involves uh, all sorts of redemptive uh enterprises and activities and so forth including uh you know christian views of economics uh, eschatology uh education, and all the other ease. So uh, anyway, I would recommend that uh, if you haven't read all the books on the foundational book list, um, that, that you make that a priority and make that a goal. Uh, I recently was talking to a, a, a guy, who uh this is very common who the the book that he hadn't read on the foundational book list was probably the book he needed the most <laughs> and so he read it and uh this week he was telling me how much it's begun to change his life that he read it a month ago or so and uh so uh these these books are kind of designed to get you acclimated toward uh toward reading all of scripture and toward taking in all of Scripture's message, which is uh, very, very important. I, I think that uh, we're living in a time where so-called Bible-believing Christianity, much like in Christ's age, you know, in Christ, when Christ came, the Sadducees were, if you study their theology and their philosophy, they were very much like the liberal <laughs> Protestant churches today. If you study the, the Pharisees, they were very much like the conservative fundamentalist evangelical churches today, and neither one of them liked Jesus very much in fact they plotted they, they, they hated each other, but they hated Jesus enough that uh, that they were able to get along with, along with the Herodotians to uh, to plot to to kill christ they 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 the, their common bond was only that they hated Jesus. And uh, I personally think that uh, it's questionable in so many of our churches today. And, and we need to ask ourselves, like, it, is, is Jesus really welcome in our midst? And uh, I think that's a question that's worth asking ourselves. How are you doing, Jennifer, Pat? It was so nice talking to you the other night on the phone for so long. Good to see you. So we uh, will have another meeting. The main worship meeting starts in 12 minutes.